welcome to The Rob Burgess Show. I'm, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 88th episode, our guest is Carlos Dangler. You first heard Carlos Dangler in episode 87 of the podcast. Carlos Dangler is a working actor and musician in New York City. He is currently working on his memoir detailing his time spent as bass player and keyboardist for the alt-rock group Interpol from 1998 to 2010. After leaving the band, Carlos enrolled at Stella Adler's Studio of Acting and then was fortunate to have been accepted to NYU Grad Acting, where he received his MFA in acting in 2015. Since graduation, Carlos has been working in the theater, creating and launching a successful one-man show called Homo Sapiens Interrupt Us for the New York International Fringe Festival of 2016, and cast in a recent production of A Babylon Line by the great playwright Richard Greenberg at Lincoln Center Theater, featuring actor Josh Radner in the lead. In early 2016, Carlos appeared briefly on the Late Night with Seth Meyers show, filling in on bass guitar with the 8G band, the Seth Meyers house band. Carlos has also spent time crafting his approach to memoir writing. He was recently published by the literary magazine N Plus One with an essay, Stories of Excess. He is currently finishing up the first stages of a publishing deal for his upcoming book, detailing his time in the band, his personal life and childhood, and his observations upon leaving behind life in the music industry. Carlos is an avid tweeter with an unabashed progressive liberal swing to his thought, and is a lay but voracious consumer of current political thought. You can follow him there at Dangler Carlos. And now, on to the show. Hello? Carlos? Yes? Hey, it's Rob. Hey, Rob, how are you doing? Good, good. Is this a good time still? This is still this is still a great time. <laughs> yeah. One morning. I gotta give you a warning. Okay, go um, ahead. Something funky has been going on with my um, something about my phone. I oh. put in the uh, the, um, the air, earphone. The jack sometimes disconnects me. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, if I accidentally fumble and it, like, cuts us off, why don't you just call me right back? Yeah, absolutely. No problem. And if if it keeps happening, um, I'll just put it to my ear, but I'm going to try it for now. Okay, cool. Well, I'll let you know if if I can't hear you or it hangs up. (laughs) So. Yeah, it's just, it's actually just, it just, like, kind of. Next oh, okay. All right. I won't take it personally, and I'll I'll try again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please do. But uh, yeah. So uh, this all this always happens with uh, good guests. Uh, we think of things to talk about after it's done. Um, and the thing that that you told me that that you were uh, thinking about talking about was this whole uh, what do we want to call it even. Uh, Sexual uh, misconduct, sexual abuse. Yeah, uh, just just yeah. bad behavior. Um, bad behavior, sure. Horrible behavior. Um, just today, I mean, I only got off work at 5 p.m. and I haven't looked at social media for three and a half hours, so who knows what's happened since then. <laughs> but uh, today, Matt Lauer fell from grace or you know well that's not what happened but <laughs> he didn't fall from grace but in a lot of people's eyes he fell from grace people that held him in esteem he has uh, fallen from grace and garrison keeler was fired today also so two just giants of, of media really i mean i can't tell you how long those people occupied places in my childhood unwittingly um so, I mean, and these, and this is not isolated. Of course, this is a wave that's happening all over in every industry. Uh, entertainment seems to be particularly in politics, of course. Entertainment and politics seem to be two realms that seem to be t- particularly hard hit. But we, of course, know that this behavior happens in every industry in some way. Um for, I mean, one one thing I want to know is, do you think the industries that this is coming out now have, like, specific things about them that lend themselves to this behavior? I mean, obviously it does, right? I mean, in certain respects. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think any industry, because of just the way businesses are, um, are organized by a... Um, uh, like step 
you know, statuses like you have bosses, you have supervisors, and you have to answer. So there's going to be a power differential between um, people who are working under the same um, company. And because of that, uh, and, and, it, and then when you combine that with, um, you know, I think, an un, I, I don't know, for some of us it's unconscious, I would probably say for most men it's unconscious, but there are some conscious ones too, you know, the, the advantages that are um, uh, afforded to men, men just by virtue of them being men, mm-hmm. um, particularly white men, um, uh, so-called patriarchy, um, then, uh, you know, if we couple that with the power, dif- the inherent power differentials within companies, you have like a recipe uh, in the workplace for all this stuff to be happening. And I wouldn't say it's just entertainment or politics. I think it's just across the board in any kind of large company that you're working in will have these sorts of occurrences and I'm sure they're happening you know not everyone's going to speak out about you know their supervisor because the audience is not going to be very high for let's say mm-hmm. you work at McDonald's you know and mm-hmm. just you know saying that the, the general manager there has been um, touching your behind you know that's that's not exactly as newsworthy as let's say somebody uh, throwing allegations at Matt Lauer mm-hmm. um but the, the the essence is the same, and the behavior is the same, and and it's if you look at it from that standpoint, and from and if you look at it from all those dynamics, mm-hmm. you see that this this is probably happening everywhere. Right. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt, and uh, I think you're right to describe it as a watershed moment, um, and uh, I think it's interesting that you called it a sexual revolution, and, and really, I almost see it as just maybe this is the first time that women see other women being believed in public about things that they've apparently gone through that I, as a man, have no concept of. Um, that's the that's the revolution. Yeah, what you just said. It's it's the being believed part. That is the revolution about this. I think up until now, there's been this kind of like, yeah, 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 but kind of idea around all of this. Like, yes, we know men are horrible. Yes, we know men um, do bad things. But, and then, you know, you can fill in the ellipses what you want. Um, the revolution now is that we're taking the butt out of that and we're not making it, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're making it. You know, we're saying, oh, we're, you, you have an allegation, and you know, we're taking that seriously right now. So I think that's sort of the cultural tide, the thing that this, none of these things would be happening if, if women did not finally feel some kind of uh, permission and safety mm-hmm. and security yeah. where there was none before. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh I personally feel that the um, Access Hollywood tape was probably what started it, or what, maybe not what started it, but perhaps what kind of set into motion what we're seeing today. I think that was such a a triggering event in the the, the public consciousness uh, for women um, who have all heard those kinds of words before, and then to have the additional slap in the face of the election, um, I think that has that was sort of like the finally no more kind of moment. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, and and to me it feels like a torrent, but it's really not a torrent. All it is 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 it's just this backlog of things that should have been you know, aired or adjudicated or stomped out or whatever way back when, but there wasn't, it wasn't the same back then. It's, is this way now? And that now these things can be brought to the light, you know? Um, but it seems like a lot. It's just every day. I, who, who, who will it be tomorrow? I'm almost worried because I'm going to put this out on Friday that this will be irrelevant. There'll be like 48 hours. Yeah. Back in the day when, when Matt Lauer and Garrison Keillor were the news, you know, <laughs> there's been four guys since then. Yeah, I mean, you know exactly. that there's like tons of guys that are just quaking mm-hmm. because the lawyers, I mean, before the Louis CK stuff happened, mm-hmm. I was conjecturing mm-hmm. to peers about 
that uh, Tig Notaro did an uh, yeah. interview where she explicitly said, I think, I hope Louis C.K. is taking care of himself or mm. something along those lines. Right. Um, you know, he had, he had been infamous up until that moment, but I think, you know, it was sort of like the for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for the kind of moment for him. Mm. I would imagine that he was pro- he probably knew it and might have even been able to try to do something about it before these things came to light. Mm-hmm. So who knows what other cases like that might be going on right now where they may be successfully silencing people, mm-hmm. you know. And, of course, that, that would just be an agreement between the victims and the and the perpetrator. And, you know, consi- depending on the severity of the cases, you know, it may be uh, in everybody's interest, perhaps, to not like make these things come come out to light in those cases but in some cases those kinds of agreements are not going to happen and then it's just wonderful that uh we now have a climate where that option is available mm-hmm. where it wasn't before yeah and i do i do think we're making progress in certain ways because if you look at like garrison keeler and matt lauer it was the the, the time is shrinking between rec- receipt of report of abuse or whatever and action of any kind because uh, this was all before it was covered up it was non-disclosure agreements you know uh and now it's like Matt Lauer gets somebody finds out because they're doing a story at multiple publications about Matt Lauer and they're calling about it. And like Monday uh, rolls around and they get this report. They say for the first time, uh, okay, but um, <laughs> he had a door. He had a button under his desk that would lock the door from the inside. Apparently, so um, wow, is that true? It's true. It's in uh, Hollywood Reporter or Variety story I read today. Um, or some, somewhere, but anyway, yeah, that's part of uh, part of his uh, thing, and and somebody had to install that. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the the time between when they re- receive these reports, or or when it's made public, or when it you know actually happens, and like he was fired that day. Garrison Keillor was apparently fired like immediately. Um, why do some people get to hang on? It's so unfair what some people get taken away for, and some people just get to keep going for. Um, yeah, I, mean, I mean, we have to talk about Trump. You brought up Access Hollywood. Trump, the reason that the people are always, oh, it's just locker room talk, you know, whatever. But, like, he actually, like, he's applying what he said. To, he said it. He did it. You know what I mean? Like, he said it. He said he did it. And, and then he did it. <laughs> like, what, what are you not understanding? And how is he still going? And, you know, know, whatever you want to say about Louis C.K., there is a spectrum, you know, and that's another thing I wanted to talk to you about is, like, uh, you, you talked about Al Franken, and that's that's been hard for me to take, of course, because I'm more in line with his thinking about the world, and I've been a fan of his for a long time, um, but yeah, what he did was wrong, and he should not have done that, and I'm frankly okay if he, like, just steps aside. That's fine with me. Somebody else will be appointed that will have a similar politics to him, I'm sure. Um, well, we can, in this case, we're lucky because there's a Democratic... Yes, government. we're very lucky in that in that case. That, now, that's the person. What if that weren't the case, though? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What would be the sort of real politic kind of... Um, Equations that we may need to. I'm sure, but I turned off my my radar. Um, pardon me. Um, you know what would be the sort of like uh, pragmat, the, the like hardcore pragmatism that we might need to. So Michelle Goldberg, the the new writer at, at the New York Times, um, wrote a piece recently about just this topic about how to deal with how to recognize that. Because of our of the of the democratic wing's politics, how much of a disadvantage that that puts us in when it comes to these uh, um, situations, where for you know we have a very uh, uh, visible kind of comparison that we can um, um, put forth uh, for between you know for across the aisle. We've got the current Roy Moore debacle. Well, yeah, that's the obvious corollary because that, like you know, it's so yeah. obvious. Yeah, and then you've got. Al Franken, mm. and so now we're you know on one side that tribe does not hold some of the more egalitarian mm. principles that the Democrats do, and so therefore there's a much uh, lower threshold of uh, you know a much lower expectation about what 
uh, is permissible and what is not. But isn't that a sad statement that all, all we ask for is fairness and that and all they do, it, and this showed up with, a, you mentioned Roy Moore, Project Veritas trying to sting the Washington Post and getting stung right back in your face. Um, so, but they're, but they're not acting in good faith, you know what I mean? They're, 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 the things that they say the Christians allow in this Roy Moore thing just sickens me. Um, but but they but they have no standards, and we have to have all the standards. You know that's that's totally unfair. That's the thing, that's what Michigan, exactly. Well, that's the, the 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 lack of equity between the two camps is exactly what Michelle Goldberg addressed in that in that in her op-ed piece, and that it's tragic. You know, there's an element of tragedy to this where we, you know, we have to hand out Franken to the dogs right now, kind of knowing that. Uh, on the spectrum of of abuse and um, and of um, um, misconduct, you know, at least from what's been reported thus far, and compared to all other men that are uh, under the microscope right now, his is not a very um, glaring case, and we are handing him over just somewhat. I mean, he hasn't said that he's going to resign yet, but. You know, we're kind of like all wait, waiting around right now, going like, "Well, if they, if there's an outcry for him to resign, I guess we're going to have to let him resign." And so we're we're doing that because it's based on our principles. And yet, this gives the advantage. You know, we've got a, a terrible, terrible political situation right now for Democrats. And so we're going to hand over one of our star, like men, you know, our star, one of our star leaders. Uh, who is who has committed an infraction that is on the absolute lower end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. um, and allow a child molester mm-hmm. to to stay to not even stay in office, but he'll probably I don't want to swing anything. I mean, um, I'm I'm going to hopefully donate fifteen bucks to the Alabama Senate campaign uh, to make sure that. Um, You'd make sure that the guy that put the KKK in jail for killing black children actually beats the yeah. guy who's a child molester. Is that what you're exactly. saying? <laughs> world were ordered correctly, that would be, you know, I wouldn't need to put those 50 mm-hmm. in, nor would anyone else. But apparently, there are a bunch of psychopaths in Alabama. <laughs> oh, they're, they're everywhere. Believe me, they're everywhere. That might be listening to this podcast. <laughs> I, I can't track it that close, but I don't think I have a huge listenership in Alabama. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think we're going to sway anybody. I don't think you need to worry about uh, swaying the electorate uh, on the Rob Burgess show in, the, in Alabama. It's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, disparity, you know. Yeah, disparity is 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 it's a, it, there's some fuckery there. Oh, there's absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and so then what to do then as a good law abiding ideologue <laughs> you know, on the left, like what to do? What to do with that situation what to do with Al Franken. And John Conyers, that's another one. Sure. I think he might be a little bit less sympathetic than Well, yeah, he's obviously accused of, of of worse, I believe, so um Yeah. So yeah, but but he can go too. That's fine. You know, I'm actually okay with that. That's fine. He can go. Al Franken can go. Like you said, thank goodness that somebody will be appointed. Probably in at least one of those cases that that we would like. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just a lot to deal with. Um, but the Harvey, Harvey Weinstein thing, I was interested to see as kind of an outsider of uh, you know the entertainment industry, I, I, how much of an open secret apparently it was. Um, apparently, it was an open secret. Everybody knew it. It wasn't even a secret. People like Seth MacFarlane made a joke about it. There was a Thirty Rock joke about it. David Letterman talked about it. Uh, you know, everybody like said this in public, and people were like, <laughs> and you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's how many more open secrets are there that I don't know about? <laughs> I know that's that's what I'm trying. Like actually going through my Rolodex right now, my <laughs> Rolodex right now. I'm going like, what what open secrets occur out there? You know, the case with uh, that the dynamic there of this sort of like this sort of uh, open secret that that was the Weinstein situation. This is a very familiar um, uh, playbook you could say, hmm. uh, that happens in, um, if you just want to downscale it to like a family, the way a family will have an open secret, you know, hmm. the alcoholic in the family, 
the uh, the mentally ill person, the, the the abuser in the family, the domestic abuser in the family, mm-hmm. the the woman who shows up to work with a black eye, mm-hmm. and like nobody really says anything, or everyone just kind of like there's there's an element of discomfort behind all of this that is antisocial, and I think human beings, because of what, especially Americans, because of the way that we're educated, we lack the the skill set to be able to negotiate these very very somewhat complex situations because how do you show up for somebody when you know that they've been abused how do you like and if you work with the person that's abusing or if you know the person is the one that's abusing how do you take care of that person how do you show up for that person if you're within Weinstein's circle if you're somebody that works in the office if you're somebody if you're a client if you're somebody that's done business with Weinstein and you hear about all these things and you hear about what uh, and you know the people that are that are the supposed victims of all this. How do you maintain the fabric of that power dynamic that is taking care of your work, paying for your rent, mm. making sure that you have followers on Twitter, all, all of the hallmarks of, su- of success? How do you uh, manage that situation without it blowing up in your face, without something horrible happening? Well, the great thing about it right now is that I think now we finally have a, a guidebook for this. Now we can see, like, oh, yeah, you actually can come out and defend yourself. You actually mm-hmm. can come out and say something, and there won't be any repercussions. And that's why, in this case, the firings are good. It's a good thing that Garrison Keillor is getting fired. It's a good thing that Matt Lauer is getting fired. Perhaps there's a risk now. I know that Garrison Keillor said that this is like a, I can't remember what the word he used to describe all everything that's going on. Um, what, did, what was the word? A, man, a mania. That's what he said. <laughs> there was, there was the day, a day before, he had said it in, in, in an op-ed piece, but there was a mania that was going on. And you know... But, but, okay. but, but, but Louis C.K. made a whole movie about doing this to people, apparently, that was just about to come out. <sighs> yeah. Nobody even asked him to do it, and this is the thing they want to do. And it's like, the people are almost like tempting fate. Like, if I, if I did this and got away with it to any degree, I wouldn't, like, make my, the focus of my life about that. I would just be like, dum 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 going about my day. But, like, apparently these people are so out in the open. That's what I'm talking about with this, like, everybody knows, but nobody says it. Whose responsibility is it to speak up? Is it my responsibility to stick my neck out? I don't see anyone else sticking their neck out. Um, um, so well, hopefully right now we're, these firings are going to do or yeah. show that, that well they have uh, they have your neck out yeah. and there will be a swift uh, um, you know response mm-hmm. um, and so if the cases in, in just today with Matt Lauer and Gary mm-hmm. Steeler are, are are perhaps maybe if those firings are if it sh- if it shows that those firings are not really um, of the severity of the crimes or whatever. Sounds mm-hmm. like they are, actually. But let's just say for whatever reason they are. I think it's still a good thing that these things are happening because the climate is changing, the culture is changing, and that is actually the most important thing to happen right now. That's the most effective thing to happen. Is let the culture, let the thinking, let the value set change so that, so that women can be protected because they weren't protected before. Profound thing my wife once said to me. It was only profound to me because it didn't occur to me. But like, she's like, when you're a woman, you just have to realize that at any moment you could be like, you know, assaulted. Like, if you're in public, that's a possibility. And like, I know I don't go through my day thinking that. Even now, really, I don't think I could, it could happen to me. Really. Do you go around? I don't go around like that. But 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 women do all the time. It's like they have to just know this that this could happen. So like 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 my wife is always noting things that I don't think about. Like when we're in public like that, you know, just like noticing. Oh, we're in a dark corner, and I'm like, oh, we kind of are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so it's just it's it's a different uh, way of looking at the world, and I think that a lot of men are are finally getting the message. I know it's it's been a learning experience. For for me, um, I'm apparently totally ignorant of how women go through the world. So, well, thanks. Thank you know, it's a good thing that we have uh, persons such as the woman who posted on YouTube the video of her getting catcalled. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, I've seen that one. Mm-hmm. And and also the one who posted, I believe, on Instagram. Every time somebody, you can see her face, and you can see the guys in the background. 
it's it, you know it's a good you know here's a situation where technology is really helping because it's it's sending out the message that you know during the day we hear we walk by a construction site and you hear uh, you hear about these things all day not a day goes by where I don't get cat called all of that sort of stuff but mm-hmm. when you actually see it when you actually see the guys in motion doing it in that way um, with that degree of um, um, regularity it really drives home the point mm-hmm. it really does yeah for sure um, well I'm a father I have a son and a daughter so uh, mm. how do I raise them? What am I going to do? <laughs> well, I mean, what I mean, exactly. I mean, this is crazy. Like, this is crazy. Like, I'm, I don't know how to tell. I don't know what to tell either of them. Just stay away. Everyone's a danger. Just watch out. <laughs> well, something tells me that they're probably not going to be part of the demographic that we're concerned about right now. Sure. Yeah, but they're, like, going to be in the world, and, and like, you know, and I think of how, like, my, my grandparents were infants once, and somebody coached them how to treat the other sex, and apparently it was horrible, but... <laughs> <laughs> like, but but it seems like we we are progressing. I think I think this is hopefully, hopefully it's getting better. Um, well, there was also another piece uh, written by Stephen Marsh um, in the Sunday Review at the Times mm-hmm. uh, entitled "The Unexamined Brutality of the Male Libido," mm-hmm. and this is a great piece because it re- it does exactly what you're talking about. Like how you know this question that you're asking yourself: How am I going to uh, you know, tell my children the right thing so that they don't subscribe to this sort of behavior, this mentality. Mm-hmm. And he's addressing this very idea um, in the piece, um, but more on a more on a, like a nationwide uh, scope, in the sense of all men now need to need to somehow search deeper within themselves, peel back some onion layers within their psyche mm-hmm. to realize what constitutes their own sense of masculinity. Mm-hmm. If you really ask most men what that is, what, how, what makes you a man, mm-hmm. the answers that they're going to give you are going to be highly problematic. And we yeah. don't teach this stuff. Mm-hmm. you know. And the, the piece is great in terms of dissecting like all the false kind of um, prompts that we get in the locker room, in gym class, uh, in high school, uh, that stay with us for the rest of our lives, mm-hmm. and, and it's toxic. It's an actually, it's like a toxic mindset that uh, you know, fathers and teachers and all sorts of role models um, horribly give you know, uh, distort the minds of the of children with. Mm-hmm. And um, we we need to do. We need. That's also another frontier. So it's great that there's this sexual revolution. This sort of you know, somewhat latter-day sexual revolution of, like, you know, oh, we're going to believe women now, finally. Like, wow, you know, like, mm-hmm. couldn't we have thought about that in the 60s when the original sexual revolution, but apparently not. We needed a lot of stuff to happen. So it's happening that right now, and that's great. And I think the other frontier is this other, what do the men do now? What, what are all of us who maybe haven't done horrible things like that, um but have done bad things or problematic things, or maybe not even any of those, but have certain attitudes about the opposite sex, about their sexuality, about their masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of questions should we be asking ourselves right now? You know, I, I think uh, this is a very, very important time for men to start taking inventory of, yeah. um, of all those Mindsets. Yeah, it's it's kind of. Yeah, I mean, it, it's almost in retrospect, you you feel like, oh, I shouldn't, you know. But like by the standards of maybe the time or whatever, not to excuse yourself in any way, but like, you know, at the time, that's why it happened because it seemed like something you could do. Uh, there's so much umbrage with 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 politi- so-called political correctness, mm-hmm. and you know, there's the the the, uh, the frequent bromide which is, oh, you're so sensitive, or, oh, you want me to be so sensitive to all these things. Oh, I can't say, I have to uh, tiptoe through the daisies, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when I think about these, all I hear when I, th- when, I, when, I, when, when I hear those things is, oh, you are so terrified of examining yourself that you need to push back in this way. Um, I think this kind of reckoning with men will, if, if it's encouraged more, um, it's going to experience a lot of pushback from men who probably aren't in therapy, 
don't aren't in the habit of examining themselves mm. um, and that, I think the form that it will take will be like well what the hell do you want everybody else is doing it or well, what do you want I, I'm not supposed to know what you, you or you're too sensitive you're, you want me to, to do this mm. or, but that's all up to you why should I have to to do that which are all ridiculous um, responses in my opinion I think that there's only one proper response which is oh shit I'm sorry that your feelings are hurt yeah I'm sorry that, uh, that what I did hurt your feelings how do we move forward from there well just just assume that you don't know just if you don't know you learn exactly. something you learn something new it's okay just you know you learn something new Absolutely. you know I didn't know that okay I'll, I'll do that from now on <laughs> you know Absolutely. But it doesn't, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, a lot of what we're talking about is toxic masculinity, really. And um, uh, another guest of the Rob Burgess Show, Jared Yates Sexton, is writing a book right now about this. But, um, you know, toxic toxic masculinity is really at the root of a lot of this. Um, it's, it's just recognizing that in yourself and recognizing that that's the culture. You don't notice it because it's everywhere. You know, it's kind of like white supremacy in the South, you know. Uh, in apparently right now, <laughs> sure. it's just it's just the air you breathe. It's it's what's going on, and I think that the thing for men now is we we get to like take a look at ourselves and be like, man, that was like what I thought was like eh, was not you know somebody there was another person on the other end of that, and it's it's weird that like we're just recognizing women as human, and that's like. You know, that's some sort of revolution. It almost seems weird to me in a certain way. You know, like, it's like the the rev- the, the big change is, oh, women are people too? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, that's, and that's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, to that's me. where the value of, of all what's going on, of this, this uh, sexual revolution, of this, this sort of wave uh, that's happening. That's the real value right there is to, to have this, like, this raising of consciousness. Now, Conversely, there's also, you know, not to, not to mention too many pieces, but obviously I've been reading up a lot on all this stuff, but there is another piece called Sex Consent and the Dangers of um, Misplaced Scale, written by um, Masha Gessen. Oh, she's, she's good. I like her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the, New, in the New Yorker. It came out yesterday. It is an incredible read. And this, I, this notion that she has about misplaced scale is actually useful. And so she is the, she is actually expressing something similar according to what Garrison Keillor infamously uh, uttered you know 20 years ago where apparently he said that if you take sexual harassment out of the equation then there's no nobody's going to flirt anymore <laughs> so yeah it's quite funny and and so wow. kind of like some saying something very similar that there's this notion of misplaced scale and for her she goes out. The Al Franken case is a, is an absolute patent case of misplaced scale. Mm. She also mentions something very, very, which for me is of obvious topical interest. It's a band called Pine Grove. Mm. Um, I've, I've never heard of them, but she 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 mentioned them, and I looked up their Twitter. Apparently, their singer um, is getting fired from the band or suspended. Mm. Um, I don't I don't want to uh, misrepresent this group by saying that. He was fired if he wasn't, so I'm actually reading right now just to make sure that um, I have the story correctly. Um, but she's saying, uh, she's claiming that this, uh, not, not claiming, but she's, she's stating that um, the band Pine Grove was suspending its tour. Actually, they're not kicking mm. it out, they're just suspending their tour because their front man, even Evan, Evan Stevens Hall, has been accused of sexual, co- sexual coercion, and apparently he on the band's Facebook page came out and made a huge statement saying, I have been flirtatious with fans and on a few occasions been intimate with people that I've met on tour. Mm. I've reached the conclusion now that that's not ever appropriate, even wow. if they initiate it. Wow. There will always be an unfair power dynamic at play in these situations, and it's not okay for me to ignore that. Okay. Well, now, yeah. <laughs> now, if this is the truth, if what he's saying is the truth, then I, my old bandmates, every single ba- guy that was ever in a rock band is truly fucked right now. <laughs> because, because they, that was part of the deal, of right? Of becoming a rock star, yeah? <laughs> exactly. Because all of that, it has been taken as a given that 
you know, something along, you could, you could call it almost, um, and I don't mean to minimize uh, this, but you could call it a kind of statutory rape, where instead of the age differential being the, the, the thing that makes it, it's, it's just what he was saying, which is the power differential. Oh yeah, it's it's huge. It's, it's nowhere. <laughs> it's in the stratospheres. Um, yeah, and and so um, you know, she raises a good point about this, and and um, you know, she's saying, is this not also an example of like, misplaced scale, hmm. where now we're treating a situation like that where there's like utter consent, um, you know, absolutely, totally explicit consent being given between both mutual consent and yet we're still treating it as potentially um abusive behavior or misconduct Mm. um you know i can relate with where he's coming from i can because this this whole wave has truly called up a lot of my past to me about the, the things that i saw and the things that i did while I was in the music industry, hmm. and the 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 the, uh, the the behavior that I thought was that I was entitled to, um, that I believed that I deserved, and that in my mind I was like, well, this is what's supposed to happen. You know, I I can fairly um, assume for the moment um, that I am not repressing any kind of um, instances where uh, something along the lines of, like, even an Al Franken um, was part of my um, uh, past. Um, I think rock stars are somewhat uh, fortunate, in at least in, when it comes to this sort of topic, in that uh, typically they're in a situation where the women are, are the ones initiating it. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're they're such huge fans of the music that and then and it's 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 a sexual thing for them it's become sexualized so the the chance to be with that person is is um is something that's really um favorable to them and i can you know that that's my story very much to the t um i really waved that flag uh, for years while I was in Interpol. Mm. And so I think back to everything that, that I saw and everything that I did, not everything, everything that I can remember that I saw and, and did. And um, I really, truly have a completely different perspective on all of that. Um, because I did believe back then, oh, this is part of the deal. This is what you're supposed to do. If this isn't the case, then it's almost like you're not even making the salary. Mm. And that was sort of what, like, the mentality was for me. And not just for me, but everyone else that I commiserated. Sure. Um, and now I can, I, so I'm, I'm really grateful for this shift because it's giving me the opportunity to really kind of like get, shake all of that old, that old value set off. I can sort of see it for what it is. It's not really, um, you know, I'm saying this from the from the vantage point of someone who's essentially living a civilian life right now. I'm not in the music industry, and I'm not in the public eye. Certainly not to the extent that I was uh, when I was in the band. But so there there is an element. Well, I mean, of you've been on the Rob Burgess show twice, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Count that. You know. Um, sorry for that, Rob. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but you know, it's it's uh, it, what if what if I, I kind of am really. I feel really glad that I'm not in the public eye or that I'm not in the music industry. Right? Yeah. Uh, that I've had a chance to step away from all this stuff, that the madness did not get too hmm. crazy because I shudder to think what it might have been if I had stayed. Hmm. Because the thing with the Weinstein, the thing with this, the reckoning that I'm speaking of is really about realizing how you can really lose yourself in that, in, in those industries where there's such power that's given to, to performers. Hmm. Um, th- there is uh, there is so much risk in losing yourself, in losing your identity, in losing uh, your sense of what's right and what's wrong. Um, and I just consider myself fortunate to have been able to, uh, as best as I know, evade um, a lot of the more uh, worse aspects of that, mm-hmm. of those behaviors. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, if you're in the public light now, you're getting examined, you know, like if you're doing this, if you're still like 
you know, if you're still you uh, back then now, you're you're getting looked at pretty pretty hard, I imagine, right? Like if you were yeah. like if you were still you know Carlos D in in Interpol, guess what? I'd you be know? quaking in my boots. I'd be quaking in my boots. <laughs> yeah, you would. Of course you would, because and like who, people are like, who's next? Who's next? Oh, exactly. him. And rightly so, though. Sure. I mean, I'm not even saying that's wrong. Like you said, that's the that's the thing we're living through. That's the change. You know. But yeah. And I mean, by the definition of of Evan Stevens Hall of Pine Grove, you know that there should be many, many, many guys right now that should be quaking in their boots or at least having to face the music the way that he is. Hmm. The thing is that what he's espousing is that he's a complete 180-degree turn in terms of what's understood as uh, permissible sexual behavior in that arena, Mm -hmm. that particular arena. Right. You know, I mean, what, what's going, you know, someone might be able to say, well, what's next? Is the porn industry going to also, like, have situations like, like this? Like, maybe maybe there's a, maybe there's tons of inappropriate behavior there as well. Oh, sure. How, is, how are they going to get garner sympathy? Yeah. How's the woman at Waffle House who, you know, I worked, I worked at a call center a couple years ago. And let me tell you, that place, if there was a, like, scandal about this place, it would have been ten times worse than anything. Like, it was just like, you know, but these people don't get, you know, the media attention as much. Um, There was a thing in the New York Times I read about the restaurant industry. We don't hear about that because it's not, there's no, if, yeah, if, if that guy's doing it, okay. Well, that's you know, <laughs> this just need to be washed. So, <laughs> like nobody like when it's Gwyneth Paltrow and when it's you know these people that are known, all of a sudden it's well, a thing, you know. But you yeah, know. the thing is, what's missing here is sort of like an equal em- uh, employment opportunity type commission. Mm. Um, so instead of it being about yeah, opportunity, it has to be about swift uh, action and protection. Um, I don't think that there are places that, you know, women can go to for, for that level of protection where there's like a safe zone, um, even for restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with, with public figures, it's their, it's their uh, status as a, as a known entity, as a public persona that gives them that protection. Mm-hmm. Because if a story breaks, it, everyone in, in the nation knows it. And so the incentive to keep things under wraps is huge. Whereas if you were just working at a restaurant and you're not famous, if a story breaks out, there's ways to control that. Right. So what we need is more like uh, an agency of some sort, some, some kind of protecting arm that can um, assist women um, in lower profile work, like, like the service industry. for instance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but what do you think, I mean, you know, going back to the kind of the entertainment industry, what do you think we should do with the art of the people that have done these things? Okay. So John Lennon beat his wife. Do I have to stop listening to the Beatles now? Um, Woody Allen. I love Annie Hall. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, do I have to stop watching that for the rest of my life? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, like, do I have to like, I don't know. What do we do? Like, like a Pulp Fiction. It was produced by Harvey Weinstein. Do I? Can I not watch Pulp Fiction anymore? <laughs> I think you know. No, I, I, I think that, that that's not really feasible. Actually, no. Disney was a, was a unrepented racist. You know, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's Walt Disney. Um, so, no, it is. It's tricky. It, it's it's it is tricky. Um, you know, I uh, I love um, Apocalypto, the movie, hmm. um, and I can't stand Mel Gibson. I can't stand what he says, and I can't stand his beliefs. But I have to recognize that that it's a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so the work is there. Um, if the work is fueled, so here's something that I've also noticed is like. Um, I'm looking at old SNL skits on YouTube because uh, they've just kind of released like just about every single SNL skit. And one thing that I'm noticing is like some things are just not funny anymore. 
Mm. You know, it's weird. And I think that if I put on a Louis C.K. Uh, monologue, monologue where he started talking about some of that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, men are the single biggest threat to women in their lives. That was a joke that he made. Like mm-hmm. it, it, now, in light of this, it's kind of lost its, it's lost its humor. It's just not as funny any longer. Anything having to do with workplace antics, I'm kind of like the skit, um, the evil boss skit from that Will Ferrell does so brilliantly mm-hmm. um, from an old school SNL skit. Kind of not as funny as it as it <laughs> because now it's like, oh my god, like everyone has. We've seen the evil boss in real life. So when these things actually are mirrored a little too closely, I think that's what gets problematic. But a movie like Pulp Fiction is, you know, no, I don't think so. I don't okay. think that we stop listening to John Lennon. I don't mm-hmm. because I think that the behavior that we know of the of the artists um, that was problematic. There's a way of sifting it from work. Mm-hmm. That's my dog. <laughs> He might bark. He's barking in agreement, I hope. Uh, We'll just assume that he is. Um, Yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, in a case like Paul Fisher or John Lennon, we can separate the work. It's when you can't separate the work that I think it gets problematic. Yeah. Well, I heard an interview with uh, um, on Preet Bahara, the fired U.S. attorney. He has a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he was interviewing, um, oh, what's his name? Freaks and Geeks and uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin, Judd Apatow. Um, mm-hmm. He was interviewing Judd Apatow, and he was talking about how he can't watch the Cosby show anymore because he knows that the Cosby show was just a front for Bill Cosby to like drug women and then have sex with them while they're passed out. Like that was like, he was like, I'm going to present myself as this good guy. And like, he just like, you could, there's no way you can watch that show now and be like anything other than revulsion. Cause you know what's going on when the cameras aren't rolling. So I don't know. It kind of spoils it. And it's like, it's, it's not even like you don't want it to change, but like, okay, and I never really cared about that show, but he was using that as an example. But no, that's a good example. I think in the case of Cosby, we have a situation where if we're talking about a spectrum, he's completely on the on the opposite side of Al Franken. Mm-hmm. I mean, what he did was egregious and on a level that you know is just baffling mm-hmm. that someone could do those things so for so long and for uh, it, it, so regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the extremity of, of the crime, that, the, the crimes that he committed um, and the level of pain and harm that he brought into the world as a result, it, 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 and because of the, exactly as, as Preet said, that the the, uh, the front of the show, or at least the, the, the uh, and what do you call it, when um, something is the... Um, the what, what the show was purporting to be, mm-hmm. which was this sort of very good-natured man, um, it, it, now we can't separate that. We can't separate. We can't believe. We had to believe just a little bit in the truth of that for the performer. Mm-hmm. So in order for Bill Cosby to work as a character mm-hmm. in that show, we had to believe that Bill Cosby, the real guy, was perhaps just a little bit more flawed than Huxtable. Right? Just a little bit. Mm-hmm. But we had to have some of that. Clearly, we're, well, we've seen that he's done, has eradicated any possibility of that. So, no, mm-hmm. that's not possible. Yeah. You know, I think in the case with Louis C.K., he's joking about all of that stuff. Right. Part of the humor of the joke is like, okay, but we know that you're not really doing all of that stuff. Right, exactly. If you really were doing all that stuff. That's not funny. Dude. Like, you're just, you're just thinking this. You're not actually doing this, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think it's a big difference. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a bit, yeah, it's, it's a difference in approach, but it's like, it's two different tracks you can take. You can either, like, say, I'm a great guy. Look at all, like, uh, I don't know if you've ever uh, researched the Jimmy Savile case in England. Um, no. Oh, well, if you want to just be horrified beyond belief, uh, just look up the name Jimmy Savile and just be whisked away. 
way to hell because <laughs> it's uh, it's horrible. Anyway, he did he did unspeakable things that there's like a 34 megabit MP or uh, you know PDF from you know Scotland Yard on my hard drive somewhere about it that I was researching once. But anyway, it's it's horrible uh, what 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 he did. But he did all this charity work, um, and he like you know he was known for how much he like gave to like the public good. But this is like in in retrospect, it's like of course he did that. Why why else would you do this much charity work if you weren't trying to throw people up the scent? <laughs> the Louis C.K., and, you know, the thing is, it's almost like, I'm going to get you to, like, I need to talk about this with somebody, and I'm going to talk about this with you, but it's going to be in this way where I have plausible deniability of it being real. It's just, you know, this is, hey, something, people think weird things, right? (laughs) So, So, yeah. Boy, we've talked about a lot, but... um, (laughs) um, Yeah, well... There'll probably be even more to talk about, you know, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's there's no telling where this is this is going to go. Oh well, um, you know, if 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 you were still like in the entertainment uh, music business today, but like, but knowing this about. Are you just not supposed... Like you mentioned, like, going back to the power dynamic a little bit. I mean, what are people really supposed to do, though? I mean, are you only supposed to be with other people who are in your same famousness level? Is that is that how it is equal? You know, like, like, like can you not can you not do that? Can you not go between yeah, somebody... you cannot do that. You, you cannot do that at all, you don't think. You, you cannot do it, is what I'm saying. You cannot do it at all. I'm saying that I think that happens a lot, though, so that seems like a pretty big change. Well, you know, just from my own experience, I knew many, many of my peers um, in other bands who were very, very uh, diligent and, and respectful, and I never saw them go home with anybody. I never saw them go into a stray hotel room or anything like that. I was decidedly on the opposite side of that set of behaviors. But you weren't alone is what I'm saying. You're not an outlier, so, really. I think I'm... No, I'm not an outlier, and I, or I wasn't an mm-hmm. outlier. Um, and in many ways, I felt that part of the allure of a rock star's life mm-hmm. was sort of, sort of the rake, the libertine, the man who was able to just kind of like be with whoever he wanted to be because, you know, kind of Marquis de Sade kind of that was sort of that was the whole thing that I was doing back then. Mm-hmm. It was a, you know, it was I, I put like this sort of flair on it, you know, this sort of literary flair on it. To me, it just was all about decadence and uh, the uh, the fulfilling of of your your um, pleasure, you know, your your need to be satiated and so forth. Of course, I mean, I was young; I had no idea of consequences or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So all of those ideas are based on a complete inability to, to understand the notion of consequence um, or maturity. I mean, you just if you haven't lived long enough, you just don't know about consequences. So naturally, you mix that with rock music and you have what you have. There, there's a sense in which someone might say, well, you know, if you take that away, you won't really have the rock music. It's part of the spirit of rock music, that it has all of this, this element of danger, this element of risk, this element of petulance. Um, so if you took away the permissiveness there, then what, what would you have? I don't know. The, I don't necessarily know the answer to that question. I also don't know how practical it would be to expect young men to um, to say no to women night after night. I know what it's like to be on tour, and I know, understand the stress level and how lonely it can get out can can be there. Mm, I've heard the Bob Seger song. I've heard all about it. (laughs) (laughs) So I I understand what you're saying. (laughs) I bet you do. Yeah, right. Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm right there with you. Um, But uh, on a a lighter note, I guess, uh, you know, since we're we're talking about this, uh, what did you think when you heard that Anthony Weiner used the alias Carlos Danger? Oh, Oh, God. I have to know. Yeah, I know. Well, it's like it's two letters. Just change my name. That you'll just get. You just have to change. You have to omit the L and change the E to an A, and you've got Carlos Danger. 
And, you know, I would get texts from friends whenever something would come up saying, so sorry, buddy. Because <laughs> 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 it, it is somewhat conspicuous. In fact, uh, someone trolled me on Twitter and, like, what are you, a uh, deranged Anthony Weiner? <laughs> um, you know, and his actual surname doesn't help either. <laughs> right, exactly. Did you ever watch that documentary, Wiener? No. Oh, you have to see it. That guy okay. just lights himself on fire in public again and again. It never ends. <laughs> I know. He, he, it's almost like he's just like, how am I going to just lose everything? <laughs> Uh, please, please tell me. Just, I know I got away with it for a third time, but I'm going to roll those dice just one more time. <laughs> no, I mean, in a case like his, I think he's talking really specifically about addiction. Oh, I, I, clearly. It's it's beyond his, like, control to conclude. <laughs> the compulsion overtakes him. <laughs> but I, I, I'll tell you, Rob, I wasn't, I wasn't thrilled about it. I know. <laughs> I, I, wasn't, I wasn't entirely thrilled about it. <laughs> should have zagged, you went with Carlos D, and you should have gone with Carlos Danger from the beginning? I thought about it a little bit longer. <laughs> if I just change the E to an A and take out the L, <laughs> dude, that is a crazy good stage name. <laughs> That's not bad at all. That's not all bad. But, but the funny thing is, then later when Anthony Weiner was sexting, he would, he would use Carlos D at that point. Well, yeah, then he would have to switch. He would have to. He would have to do that. Then he'd say, "Carlos, danger is taken." <laughs> but what really, communicates really what I wanted really. to communicate? Let's see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, man, well, is there anything else I didn't ask you about? I feel like we went all over the place, no, but that was a good hour. Yeah, we, yeah, we. I think we covered a lot of great points. I think you know, you know, to be continued. Oh, I, please, I yeah. Say, you know, it, I think. You know, the time has come. I'm going to continue reflecting on, you know, what I, the, the kind of life that I led, you know, back then. Um, you know, I need to be open for anything that that um, this requires of, of us guys who have had who've had it too good for too long and have been insensitive and have not um, taken into consideration other people's feelings and 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 done worse in some cases degraded and, and yeah. missed other other people's feelings and it's time it's time for them to stop so you know i welcome that and um and there's you know there's obviously more is going to be revealed uh throughout all of this um you know because it's not going to stop tonight Mm-mm. it's not going to stop tonight no absolutely not too and and i'm sure i'll be um you know facing the music when it comes to writing as well Mm-hmm. Well, great. Well, uh, please stay in touch. You're welcome back anytime, like I said. Uh, so, uh, awesome. yeah. Well, thanks for coming back on, and uh, I hope you oh, have a good my pleasure, Rob. Yeah, good rest of your night, and it'll be up on Friday. So. Sounds good. All right, you have a good night, too. All right, thanks a lot. Take care.
you enjoy this podcast, there are several ways to support it. I have a Patreon account, which can be found at www.patreon.com forward slash Rob Burgess Show Patreon. I hope you'll consider supporting in any amount. Also, please make sure to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review the podcast everywhere it's available, which includes iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Facebook, Twitter, Internet Archive, TuneIn, and RSS. It really helps. The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. Until next time.